This is FatsInTheBible.com That's in the Bible, number 84. The leaders of this people cause them to err. Times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, powers at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Jesus is coming. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. This is episode number 84, The Leaders of This People Cause Them to Err. And we're recording this October 31st, 2019. So technically, I guess we are in a, uh, what the world calls Halloween. Pastor Strobel, I have to tell you, when when you uh, were going to announce your title of the uh, study today I listened to and looked at it several times wondering is this related at all to Halloween <laughs> not directly <laughs> but, 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 I, but I suppose you could make application alright well I'm curious I know that Steve and I were trying to get a little information about the study and you were keeping it pretty close to the vest there so we're we're, we're yeah. We're looking forward yep. to it. So, Pastor Strobel, how have you been since we, it's been a few months, I guess, since we were last on? I've, I've been well. Um, we did have some uh, sad news recently, uh, this past Friday night from when we are taping this uh, missionary from our church, Brother Marco Perez, missionary to Columbia, uh, had a heart attack and suddenly passed away. Mm. Uh, he was in Miami his church in Columbia had sent him there for a conference as a birthday gift. Um, he passed away on Friday night and would have been 49 on Saturday. Wow. So I guess it was after the conference they were had been eating and got up and Marco said he didn't feel good and collapsed. And they started performing CPR, calling 911. But by the time anybody got there, he was he was gone and home with the Lord. And we miss him already, and we will miss him uh, terribly, but we're going to see him again. And uh, it's good to know uh, he had a great testimony of salvation, and uh, he he died with his boots on. Amen. the Lord. Amen. 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 You know, you hear about these things, and, and even at my advanced age of, what, 64, you, you know, it, it, it you know, death is becoming a, a bit more common, you know, as far as the folks that I've known over the years. But to uh, to hear someone like this, 49, and serving the Lord, it's, you know, it takes you back for a few minutes there. You know, you wonder what's going on. But we know God's in control. And Yep. And I'm thankful we had some time with him. He was here earlier this year in March. He had come to preach at a conference in, at the same church in Miami and then uh, came up here. He preached for us on a Sunday morning, and I got to spend some time with him. And um, he looked well, looked good. He did have a heart attack a couple years ago or so, mm-hmm. uh, but had you know recovered well and had made a lot of alterations. But um, you know, from our standpoint, we, we sorrow. Of course, the mm-hmm. Scripture tells us, not as others would have no hope. And from the Lord's standpoint, you know, um, he welcomed home a saint. As the scripture says, precious in the sight of the Lord Amen. is the death of his saints. That's right. Mm. Now, is he from the New York area? 
He is. He is from uh, our area in a, a city just within, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so from here. Mm-hmm. So he grew up in New York State. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yep. Amen. He is actually a native Colombian, and um, he was adopted at, uh, I, I think it was you know, at a fairly young age, but not as an infant, but as a child, he was adopted and um, and brought to the United States and raised by his uh, parents here. And then after getting saved, he felt the call back to his uh, native people, and, and that's what brought him to Columbia. Hmm. Amen. Also joining us today is Brother Steve Bear, pastor. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, enjoying retirement uh, from my day job, as I used to say, uh, still serving the Lord, still uh, preaching and uh, trying to minister in our church. So I uh, haven't retired from that, but uh, enjoying uh, retirement. It's everything Eric said it was. Uh, <laughs> you uh, you can wake up and decide what you're going to do that day and, and uh, then proceed from there, but the time does fly. So I'm just, uh, just glad to be able to do some of the things I'd like to do. I've been able to play some more golf than, uh, than I have in years and years past and uh, certainly enjoying that. But most of all, I think I enjoyed just being able to sit down and read my Bible Amen. without uh, the pressure. I say the pressures, you know, working all day, uh, getting up real early in the morning and then trying to read, you know, uh, <laughs> my body just rebelled against it so many times. And now being able to just sit down and just read without the temptation of falling asleep and stuff like that is, is really refreshing and enjoy it uh, so much more and, and uh, been able to get through my Bible so much more than I was able to in the past. So that's one thing I really enjoy. Yeah. And I, I would agree. It's, it's a real blessing, isn't it? To, to have that time that you can just set aside every day to, to reading and, you know, praying and, it's, you know, I still sometimes think, wow, well, you know, people have said to me before I retired had said, well, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to, you're going to be bored. And I'm like, I don't think so. You know? no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I haven't well, been. The, the one thing that, that, you know, when I used to work and so forth, and it's physical work and stuff like that. And, uh, some mental involved in it just to make sure that you you know put holes in the right place and all that kind of stuff. But anytime I sat down, uh, I would be asleep in five minutes or less. So you know you can imagine trying to sit down to read or something like that, and then just dozing off, and then waking up and trying to read again, and then dozing off. It was just it was really frustrating. And um, you know I'm. Uh, People have got different body types, you know, that there are, some can be awake forever and, and not have to suffer with those things, wake up and they're just, they're on and, you know, it just, that wasn't me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could fall asleep anywhere, anytime. <laughs> and uh, so, and I proved it. I have fallen asleep standing up. <laughs> so I have that to my credit. <laughs> so it's just, you know. Being able to do that now is, and and just having that time with the Lord has has been a real blessing. So it's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it, Steve? Yes, it is wonderful. <laughs> Did you fall asleep, there, Eric? <laughs> uh, no, just uh, just remembering back to yes. some some good times <laughs> at my expense. <laughs> yeah. So today's today's the the world celebrates what's called Halloween. 
Uh, do you guys do anything special for that? Yes. What do you do? Uh, well, years ago when, uh, our kids were started to get old enough to, um, uh, see what's going on and see other kids getting candy and stuff like that. Uh, my wife and I had to make a decision of what we were going to do and what we came up with at that time, there was a, an ice cream, uh, shop chain called friendlies that was around here. And so when the kids were four and five years old, our first two, uh, we decided we were going to take them to friendlies and they could order anything they wanted ice cream. I mean, if nice. they wanted to order a Jim Dandy, you know, five scoops or whatever, wow. they could order it. I would get it for them. And if they didn't finish, they didn't finish. But it was their treat. And and for years, that was just the thing. And then as the kids moved out uh, and uh, uh, Halloween came along, they said, uh, so, Dad, we're going to Friendly's. <laughs> and so now uh, it's still with whatever kids are around here. Obviously, Matt and Jen can't can't make it. Uh, but, uh, we go to friendlies. This will be the first year that we haven't gone to friendlies cause all of them have closed. So we're trying someplace new, but we get together now with the kids and, and, uh, with the grandkids and, uh, we just celebrate together. We laugh, we joke around, we poke fun at each other and eat ice cream and, and, uh, let the world do their thing. And, and, uh, we just, uh, have a great time. We've, we've posted some pictures on Facebook and, and everyone seems to think that that's kind of a cool thing. So I don't know if it's passing on to other places, but I know from my two daughters that are away from the area, uh, they have their own little private, uh, thing, but they send us pictures, letting us know that they're keeping the, the tradition alive. So that's nice. what we do for Halloween. Nice. So if I was there in town today, you could take me for ice cream. Is that? Uh, what you... I would. I would. But uh, it'd be a long. It'd be a fast trip for you to do it and make it this time. <laughs> but you're certainly welcome. All right. Sounds good, Pastor Strobel. How about you? Well, the world calls it uh, trick or treat, and I call it track and treat. So, <laughs> so uh, this is like the only time of the year that that people come to your door. Mm-hmm. And you can give them something. Mm-hmm. So normally we're out Saturdays or and, and different times, you know, going like Saturdays, we'll do door to door and witness and give tracks out. And now they're coming to our door. So, uh, we are prepared with chick tracks and, um, treats that, uh, will go well with them so that they will receive the tracks and we'll Amen. with the Lord, Lord willing, sow some seed tonight. Hmm. Now, which of those chick tracks do you, is it the little ghost one or? No, I, I don't really get the, the you know, the Halloween themed ones. No. I do have, I do have one of them. That's mm-hmm. uh, just one copy of one that's called a little princess, which is pretty good. Some of them are, are a little bit uh, counterproductive mm-hmm. because they, they, you, you wind up giving to little kids. If you're not careful, uh, it's this wild thing about all kinds of weird stuff in Halloween. Basically yeah. I'm, 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 I try to look at who's coming and have, and I don't, I'm not the ones doing it now. My, my kids are, but I've taught mm-hmm. them to look at who's there and discern, you know, if it's an older teen, you can give them something a little more radical. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a younger person. We give them things like one way, mm-hmm. which has virtually no words in it. And it's all pictures, uh, the, uh, lo- a love story. So, so things like that. And then, uh, you know, for some of the older ones, we'll have things like right now they got one, the walking dead, um, hmm. scream, uh, things like that. So we try to, we try to give them appropriately, um, so that, so that they'll get the gospel message. That's really right. what we want. They're going to, and I'm not, I'm not trying to con- 
convert them to all of the proper Christian convictions, mm-hmm. trying to convert them to Jesus Christ Amen. and get saved, and then the, the convictions can come later. So you give them candy and a try. Exactly. And and do they come back year to year? Uh, well, they have, yeah. Yeah, Amen. All I right. say for the last 25 years, we haven't had anybody come to our door uh, for trick-or-treat. So you got to turn the light on, uh, Steve, and, and you know, sound like you're home. Well, our location's kind of not conducive for that. They kind of hunt and peck for the, uh, I say hunt and peck, they search out the neighborhoods where they're kind of condensed mm-hmm. instead of taking a kind of a main drag and, and walking down where there's no sidewalks and stuff like that. Yeah. So you get kind of a busy our, our road. place isn't conducive. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like a, not a slow moving road, a fast moving no. road up by your house. Be a little dangerous right. to walk that road. Yeah. All right. So. Well, well in keep in keeping with that, I have a short, uh, a short little, uh, commercial here. Ghosts. Have you ever seen a ghost? Are they real? What does the Bible say? Are they even found in the Bible? Find out in episode 46, Ghosts. Only on that's in the Bible.com. Well, there you go. I pulled that one out of the vault. That was creepy. <laughs> it was. And, and yeah, just it, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there is one ghost that I believe in the Holy yeah. Ghost. Yeah, amen. 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 So, uh, just to clear the air here, let's listen to a different one. <laughs> these tough economic times it can be difficult to make ends meet how can you know what to buy is it wise to use credit cards if not how can a family survive learn and apply what the lord has to say regarding our personal finances in episode 47 personal finance only on that's in the bible.com All right, in, in my retirement stage, I need to make some more of those, <laughs> some, some newer ones. Uh, well, I know Steve is ready to hear the leaders of this people cause them to err. At, oh, yeah. I almost feel like I should say err, but I think it's err, isn't it? Either way would be correct, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's arguable that you wouldn't err if you said err. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel better now. So, Pastor Strobel, are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Amen. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Father, it is good to be here. It's good to have this opportunity, and we thank you for this podcast and opening up the doors for it and keeping it going. We pray for your your blessing upon the message, the lesson today, and upon those that uh, need to hear it. Lord, help them to find it uh, and hear it and take heed. Lord, let it uh, go forth and let the seed fall where it needs to and bring forth fruit for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'm going to bring you a Bible study on the subject of uh, leadership. 
And though this will have a particular emphasis on spiritual leadership, the basic premise will apply to all leaders, uh, political, parental, scholastic, business leaders, etc. Lee Robertson was a preacher of the not-too-distant past, and he used to say everything rises or falls on leadership. And while certainly arguments can be made that that is overstating the matter, the point is still well taken. Uh, leadership is important. And with the exceptions duly noted, it's still generally true that as goes the leader, so goes the follower. In Ezekiel chapter 16, the Lord was calling out his uh, own people for their sin and their wickedness. And here's what he says to them in verse 44. Behold, everyone that useth Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, as is the mother so is her daughter, as is the mother, so is her daughter. That is, the daughter tended to behave like the mother who was her leader and example. And then the Lord begins the next verse by saying, thou art thy mother's daughter. And we speak similarly today. When a child um, is seen behaving like a parent, uh, somebody is likely to say to him, uh, you are your father's son, or you, or, or you are your mother's daughter. And they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And, and all of that is to say they take on the characteristics of their role models, their authority, their parents who are there showing them how an adult is supposed to behave uh, at the very least by example. They're giving them an example and their example is talking to those kids about how a child should behave. And they tend to pick up on things for better or for worse. Now, all of these things, again, speak to the influence of leadership. And uh, while we're here in Ezekiel chapter 16, while I'm talking to you about something from there, I might just as well follow this passage a little further, uh, for it reveals another phenomenon that often transpires in the case of corrupt leadership. And this is from Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 44 through 47. Behold, everyone that useth Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, as is the mother, so is her daughter. Thou art thy mother's daughter that loatheth her husband and her children. And thou art the sister of thy sisters, which loathe their husbands and their children. Your mother was an Hittite and your father an Amorite. And thine elder sister is Samaria, she and her daughters that dwell at thy left hand. And thy younger sister that dwelleth at thy right hand is Sodom and her daughters. Yet hast thou not walked after their ways, nor done after their abominations. Now don't jump to a conclusion because he goes on and says, but, if, but as, as if that were a very little thing, thou was corrupted more than they in all thy ways. And when he says that you didn't walk after their ways, it's the idea is you did worse than they did. So you walked where they walked and then you went further. And the disturbing phenomenon that is often seen as a result of corrupt leadership is that the followers become even worse than the leaders. They take whatever the leaders did, and then they uh, take it to another level downward. Um, that, uh, that is, once the downward spiral begins, it tends to spiral out of control. And the followers, they buy into it and take things to the, uh, another level of corruption. And this is one of the reasons that uh, God has a higher standard for leadership. Uh, and he does. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, My brethren... Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, masters, those that are leading somebody, they are in a position of authority over others. And leadership receives greater condemnation. Now, let me expound uh, two things about that. First, as, as leaders, um, and, and by the way, a lot of even if you're not an official leader, an official title capacity, uh, there will be times in your life where you will likely find yourself 
uh, in a leadership position, even if it's just babysitting for a little while, but which is which is important. I don't mean to just say just that really is an important thing, uh, responsibility to, to take if you have that responsibility. But a lot of us find ourselves for time, um, periods of time, or maybe intermittent times being leaders. And, and some are just regular leaders. That's what they do. And uh, being in a, being a pastor, I find myself in a leadership p- position uh, regularly. And uh, I can tell you, leadership does receive greater condemnation. So again, two things uh, about that as I expound you about it. First, we who are leaders, we receive greater condemnation from people. Now, this is borne out in the context of uh, the verse in James chapter three. And I'm going to read you that verse again, along with the following verse. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. That verse tells you in the context of the master receiving greater condemnation, the very next thing is, for in many things we offend all. So that's not referencing specifically right there, offending God, it's offending all. Uh, offending all, if, and it's the idea of all people, because he says, if any man offend not in word, we tend to offend others by uh, the words that we speak. So the immediate context of this verse has to do with offending people, and all leadership does. All leadership offends people. You can't please everyone. Uh, whoever is president, a Republican or Democrat, uh, will always have critics, uh, or whatever, independent, which hasn't happened for years and years, that type of an off party. Uh, But uh, whoever is preaching will always have critics. And in this politically correct culture, with everyone walking around with chips on their shoulders, it won't be long before you say something to knock one or more of their chips off because you can't please everyone. Uh, When I took over as pastor of our church about 32 and a half years ago, I had been made keenly aware of some of the things that transpired before I was there. Um, my podcast colleague and friend, Pastor Steve Baer, who's with us today, uh, he had been pastor of that church directly before me. And he had taken over as pastor in a situation where the church had been thrust into t- turmoil after the founding pastor had left. Uh, Brother Steve was voted in, and he helped, helped uh, keep the church afloat. Uh, however, he found out uh, firsthand, he probably already knew it, but uh, he certainly experienced it at that time. He found out uh, by experience, you can't please everyone. And a number of folks gave him a very hard time. And I had been made aware of that. I didn't even know Steve before then, but I had been made aware of that uh, before I even got there, uh, a lot of the things that he had faced. And knowing how they had treated him um, and, and that how they treated him was unacceptable, uh, I knew that if the church was going to rise from the dead, uh, things were going to need to be different going forward. And so on my first Sunday as pastor, in the evening service, I preached on you can't please everyone, so you've got to please the Lord. And my text was Galatians 1.10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And I let our church know that night that they might not always like everything I do, but what I'm going to do is going to be something that I'm doing trying to please the Lord. And if that rubbed them the wrong way, uh, I was still going to have to do what the Lord wanted me to do. And so we find as leaders, we do uh, offend uh, because not, you can't get everybody to think the same way. Not even every Christian, not even every Bible believing Christian, not even every King James 
independent Baptist Bible-believing Christian. <laughs> They're not always going to see things the same way. All right, now a second thing about James 3, verse 1, uh, which again says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. First, we receive greater condemnation from people. Second, we receive greater condemnation from God in the sense of uh, accountability and judgment. Uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, the Lord Jesus said, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. When a man is given the position of leading people spiritually, there is more expected of him by people and there is more required of him by God. And as one who has been put in that position, when I read this verse that I, that I just told you about from Luke 12, 48, in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I read it where it says, to whom men have committed much of uh, him, they will ask the more. And, uh, and of him shall much be required before that. Uh, when, I, when I read about that, I, I think this. I think of how much has been given and committed to me by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And how they're going to ask more of me uh, in judgment. And, you know, God, uh, he in the Bible, he enumerates, he enumerates some particular requirements regarding uh, pastors. Um, he enumerates some particular requirements and lays out the pastoral qualifications for the office of a bishop in a couple of places, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1. And uh, in those places, there are some overlap in the qualifications and also some supplemental information to which if you want to get all the requirements you, or, or a more full list of them, you've got to combine them together and uh, and see all that's being said. But on Wednesday nights at our church, I have recently been teaching through First uh, Timothy, which I finished, and Second Timothy, which I finished, and now uh, we're into Titus. And when I got to these qualifications, First Timothy three and Titus chapter one, the qualifications of the bishop, which is the office of of a pastor, and I began to expound those qualifications from those passages to our our folks. Um, I told them that I teach these things with fear and trembling. Why? Uh, because as a pastor, I am especially accountable to God. And going through, those, going through those things alone as I read and study the Bible on my own is is rough enough. And then I find myself up there having to teach them. And I'm going to tell you, it, it feels even scarier. And uh, on a side note, let me say that as I taught these things, I didn't let the people off the hook because I noted that the pastor is to be an ensample to the flock. And that's indicated in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 3. Uh, similarly, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, has Paul telling the young pastor Timothy that Timothy is to be an example of the believers. And um, these are two places where, where the pastors are to be an example and an end sample. They are to show the people how the, the people are to behave. So as an example or an, or a, an ensample, being a, a, a sample type of a Christian, others look to us to have a better understanding. They're supposed to be able to look to us to have a better understanding of how Christian ought to live. And that means the, the, the things that God tells the pastor to do and requires him that, that are not peculiar to the pastoral office, but are, are character things, um, spiritual behavior things. Those things are not just for the pastor, but they're to, he's to have them in their life. The people are to look at him as an example because they're to have them in their lives as well. So the, the behavior of the spiritual leader shows the people how they are to behave. 
Now, that being said, uh, I want to go to the book of Malachi. And if you're following along the book of Malachi, you can find that, the last book of your Old Testament. And there, uh, we're going to we're going to see more about this higher standard that God has set for his men in positions of spiritual leadership. Now, as we're in the Old Testament, uh, the main spiritual office would have been that of a priest, uh, sometimes uh, also a, a prophet. You had the prophet, you had the priest. Uh, here in Malachi chapter 1, God is going to be giving instruction to the priests, and they are spiritual leaders of the day. And the Lord says to them, Beginning in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts, unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? Lord's telling them, essentially, there's, there's children that honor their father better than you, uh, priests, honor me, your father. Uh, he's, he's telling them, uh, there are people that honor their political leaders uh, and have more respect that they show to him than, than you priests are showing to me. Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Verse number nine, and now I pray you beseech God that he'll be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. These guys wouldn't do anything unless they got something for it. More about that a little bit later. Malachi chapter two, verse number one. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I've cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. So the Lord has given them commandments. He's laying it on the line for them, these priests. As he says in uh, chapter 2, verse number 7 of Malachi, uh, verse now 7, 8, and 9. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. This is the same pattern that a, a preacher has today. We're, we're to keep knowledge. We are to seek God's word at his mouth and then be the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And uh, he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts, he says in Malachi 2. He says then, but ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law, he tells those priests. Partial. Uh, the, world's, the word uh, partial signifies being biased in their application of the law. Partial also signifies not being thorough in delivering the words of God. Contrast this with the testimony of the Apostle Paul, who said in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul was not partial in what he preached. He gave him all of it. He didn't just give him a part of it. He just didn't give it to them partially. 
He gave him the whole thing, all the counsel of God. Uh, our country, uh, yea, our world is suffering from a lack of good spiritual leadership, leadership that preaches and teaches all the counsel of God, and leadership that endeavors to hold up the standard by practicing what they preach. Uh, it has been well said that the pew will never rise higher than the pulpit, kind of like uh, Robertson's, Lee Robertson's uh, statement of, everything rising and falling on leadership. And again, there are exceptions to that rule. The pew will never rise higher than the pulpit, but don't miss the point. Uh, don't miss the point that the tendency is for the people in the pew, not to exceed the spirituality of the person that is in the pulpit leading the flock. And the truth is that there's going to be in the pulpits of churches uh, this Sunday, ministers that are partial in their delivery of the word of God. Uh, ministers that are failing in their charge of delivering all the counsel of God, uh, ministers who love the praise of men more than the praise of God, ministers who are poor examples of what a Christian should be like, and in some cases, ministers that ought to be in jail because of their abuse of power on different fronts. And there are some ministers uh, who are shepherds that fail to follow the example of the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. But instead, uh, they are hirelings. John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of such, beginning in verse 11, saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling. And careth not for the sheep. You know, the hireling, that's the one that won't open up the doors of the temple for naught. Uh, he's there for what he can get out of it. He's not there to be a minister. He's there to be ministered to himself. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ him, himself uh, set himself as an example, both here in John chapter 10 and elsewhere, where he said, for the Son of Man uh, is, is not come to be uh, ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And these type of uh, ministers that the Lord Jesus uh, describes, these hirelings in John chapter 10, uh, they tend to uh, tiptoe through the tithers and scratch the itching ears of the people who will not endure sound doctrine as per 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Uh, these type of ministers are uh, well described in the book of Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. It says there, for from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Uh, listen also as the book of Ezekiel weighs in on these things. Um, Jeremiah had this to, that to say, Ezekiel uh, weighs in in Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm going to begin in verse number one and listen closely to the words of God. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Uh, yes, they should. Now, this is um, Old Testament here, but this is consistent with the New Testament charge, First Peter chapter 5, uh, to feed uh, the flock. And uh, Acts chapter 20, feed the flock of God, uh, which is among you. Uh, in, in those places, he's talking about uh, feeding that flock. 
the flock that the Lord purchased with his own blood. He says, ye eat the fat and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. So it's like whatever they are giving them, um, it's, um, it's poisoning them. The, the diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Uh, again, this is consistent with the New Testament, First Peter chapter 5, how the shepherds defeat the flock, uh, taking the oversight thereof, um, not by constraint, uh, not for uh, filly, uh, not not of uh, filthy lucre. Uh, he's he's not to, uh, and he says neither is being lords over God's heritage. He's not to lord it over God's people. Uh, he is he's to be a shepherd, not um, that loves the sheep like the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, but not to rule with force and cruelty. And he went on in Ezekiel here, chapter thirty-four, verse number five, and they were scattered. Because there is no shepherd. He said, you are the shepherd, but in essence, you aren't. You're really not a shepherd. And they really don't have a shepherd over them. They're scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. You know, the shepherds are all often... If they're doing, they're supposed to be saying, doing, saying to the people, you know, thus saith the Lord, or hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord has to say. Now God's preaching to them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I'll deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them. Um, I mean, the Lord, uh, the Lord's laying it on them. And again, I, I would hope I'm not talking to anybody who would dismiss the application for a pastor, pastor or a missionary or a, an evangelist or a preacher or somebody that's in a position of spiritual leadership. I'm not, I hope I'm not talking to somebody that would dismiss it just because we're looking at a passage in the Old Testament. The Bible says in the New Testament, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So if you are a minister and the shoe fits, you need to wear it. And if you won't put it on yourself, uh, one of these days, the Lord's going to force it on, if not before, then at uh, the judgment. A preacher's primary charge uh, includes uh, preach the word and feed the flock of God, as I've already mentioned. And our church pulpits today are occupied by many who do anything but. They do anything but preach the word. Anything but feed the flock. They have their own agendas and their, their own things that they want to talk about and, and, and are not giving them the word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, he said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And uh, that's one reason why we uh, read our Bibles, even as uh, Brother Steve was mentioning uh, earlier. Uh, and we read them because we need to read and feed on every word. And a pastor uh, needs to, to give, he needs to do that for himself, and he needs to give people all the counsel of God and cover uh, all that's important. Uh, 
and, and, and maybe he won't get through every word uh, of God from the pulpit in, in his entire lifetime. Maybe he will. Uh, a few, I think, have been able to do it. I know um, uh, the, the Through the Bible broadcast on the, on the radio. Uh, you know, was, uh, and unfortunately the man's name escapes me. I, I, I should know it like the back of my hand, but, uh, he's been doing that for years and they've been going through, uh, all the words of God and thank God for somebody uh, that'll do that, even though he may mess up here and there. Uh, but, uh, but he's emphasizing every word, uh, of the scriptures and that needs to be done. And a preacher, uh, needs to be occupied with preaching the word, feeding the flock of God. And that is feeding that flock with the word of God. It is our spiritual food. Um, here, Ezekiel, again, this time from Ezekiel chapter 13. Ezekiel 13, verse number one. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of, of Israel. God is telling his prophet Ezekiel to prophesy against the other prophets of Israel. So Ezekiel here is uh, charged to preach against these other preachers. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. What were these prophets supposed to be prophesying? They're supposed to be prophesying the word of the Lord, but they're prophesying out of their own hearts. So God, God has equal to tell them, uh, hear ye the word of the Lord. Yeah. That thing you're supposed to be preaching yourself. Thus saith the Lord God, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Instead of following the spirit of God, instead of being filled with the spirit, when they get up to preach, uh, they're like sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. They're like um, death warmed over and they don't minister any life to the flock and they don't give them anything that can help them spiritually because they haven't seen anything that can help them spiritually because they haven't been helping themselves spiritually. They're paying attention to other words more than they are the words of God. More, more paying attention to the social trends um, or the blogs or, or what they find on the Internet than, than getting their nose in the book and reading it from cover to cover, from, the, from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22, and then finishing it and starting over and reading it again. Ezekiel 13, verse 4, O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the heads for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saith the Lord, or saying they have seen vanity and lying divination, saying the Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision? And have ye not spoken a lying divination? Whereas ye say the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. So some of them are getting, getting up, giving their vain vision, their, their own uh, thoughts, their own philosophies, their own um, uh, things that are important to them and saying, this is the word of God. This is what God says. Thus saith the Lord. And he says, says, whereas ye say the Lord saith, albeit I have not spoken. You're getting up and telling them you're giving him my word, but you're not giving me anything. I said, I haven't spoken what you've spoken. That's what the Lord's telling him. Verse eight. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken vanity and seen lies. Therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. And I remind you of James chapter three, verse one, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. What are we listening to here? We're listening to that greater condemnation coming upon the spiritual leaders of the day uh, from the mouth of God himself. 
The Lord continues, Ezekiel 13, verse 9. And mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people. There you want New Testament application. There's the church in application. Uh, any theologian will tell you uh, that the definition of church is a called out assembly. So if I was, if I was a pastor, and I am, and, and if I was a pastor uh, that was in a church presently, and I am, I'd take heed to this. And if I wasn't preaching the word of God like I should, and that I am trying to do, but if I wasn't, man, this would put the fear of God in me. My hand, mine hand, God said, shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and divine lies. And they shall not be in the assembly of my people. It sounds like somebody's about to lose his job. Neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. Neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord God. Because, even because, they have seduced my people, saying, peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. It's like they, they were building it up and saying this is the way it is, and then they had other people come behind them and, and say, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is it. The pastor, listen to the pastor. This is good. But the pastor wasn't giving them, or the preacher wasn't giving them the word of God. It was some other vain vision, something else that they uh, concocted out of the depths of their own foolish heart. Let's listen to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23. By the way, if you're uh, a preacher, uh, and I understand some ministers, ministers don't even like to be called preacher today. So if you are a minister of any kind, a man of the cloth, uh, you ought to read carefully Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah 23, beginning in verse 25. I have heard what the prophet said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, here's God again. I've heard what the prophet said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their, by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have, forgot, have forgotten my name for Baal. Verse 28, Jeremiah 23, 28. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? And here he likens the dream to the chaff and his word to the wheat and the chaff, which is uh, light, uh, lighter than vanity and type and, and light enough to where they'd take the wheat, hold a, get a couple people holding a, a, a sheet or, a, you know, some sort of a cloth uh, by the corners, uh, two on uh, two corners or one, one holding uh, two corners, another holding the other two corners, put that wheat out, out on the uh, cloth, toss it up. And let the wind just carry the chaff away while the wheat falls back uh, to, the, to the cloth uh, to be used. What is the chaff to the wheat? Verse 29, Jeremiah 23. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, that, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. I, I wouldn't want to be somebody that's rewriting the Bible and cutting God's words out of it so that uh, the person reading it can't live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God because they don't have it in that text, in these new versions. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. Again, somebody saying, God's saying this and God isn't saying it. Verse 32, behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, 
saying, uh, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. See, part of the problem is they just don't take the word of God and they're calling seriously enough. And God says of these folks, yet I sent them not nor commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. And when this people or the prophet or priest shall ask thee, saying, what is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt then say unto them, what burden? I'll even forsake you, saith the Lord. You know, a lot of times um, preachers today in, in certain uh, circles, they're always talking about having a burden and the burden. And this is the burden. I'm going to tell you, this, this uh, will rearrange your thinking on that when you read it. It did mine. Uh, as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man in his house. Thus shall ye say, everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what hath the Lord answered and what hath the Lord spoken? And the burden of the Lord ye shall mention no more, for every man's word shall be his burden. For ye have perverted the words of the living God, of the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus shalt thou say to the prophet, what hath the Lord answered? And what hath the Lord spoken? But ye, but since ye say the burden of the Lord, sometimes go through this passage and just notice how many times he repeats the, the burden of the Lord. He's trying to get something through somebody's head. But since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord. And I have sent unto you saying, ye shall not say the burden of the Lord. There it is three times in one verse. Jeremiah 23, 38. He says in verse 39, therefore behold, I, even I will utterly forget you. And I'll forsake you and the city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence. And I'll bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. That's uh, verse 40. Now I want to back up to a couple verses prior to this. Because in Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, verse 21 and 22, the Lord said this. Now he, he had alluded to uh, the first part I'm going to show you here. Um, uh, in, in the passage that I just read where the Lord had, where he had talked about how, uh, the Lord hadn't, uh, sent these people. And, um, let me see if I can get that verse, uh, for you. He said in verse 32, yet I sent them not nor commanded them. He said that to the people. Now, in light of him saying that, listen to what he said in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 21 and 22. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. So similarly to what we just read. But then he adds this. Even though he hadn't sent them, even though um, the Lord hadn't spoken to them, he said this. He said, but if they had stood in my counsel, that is the prophets that he hadn't sent. But if they had stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. And the Lord's telling them, even if they hadn't been called to preach, and our pulpits are probably filled with men that haven't, even if, they hadn't, even if I hadn't called them and sent them to do that work, if in their position they would have stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear their words, they would have helped somebody. They would have turned my people from their evil way and from their evil doings, and the people could have walked the straight and narrow, and they could have been a help in that position. So that's Jeremiah 23. And now, at long last, we come to our text for the message. It's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and verse number 16. And it says this, For the leaders 
of this people caused them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. This is what we have going on all too often. Leadership causing the followers to err, to, to make a mistake, to mistakenly behave. In the case of spiritual leadership, to, to follow the Lord the wrong way. Maybe to talk about him, but, but not to hear his words, not to follow his doctrine. Uh, for the first thing, when he talked about the word of God being inspired, the first thing he said it was inspired for and profitable for was doctrine. 2 Timothy 3.16. And he says, instead of that, the leaders of this people who ought to be their spiritual leader, who ought to be speaking the truth, who ought to be directing them properly, they're causing them to err. And the ones that are led of them, he says, are destroyed. And so you have followers being destroyed in their spiritual walk or whatever walk they're, fo- they're, they're following in because of the bad leadership of the leaders. Like what we have read about uh, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and other places here uh, today in the scriptures. Uh, a similar thing was said in Isaiah chapter 3 verse 12 with some other uh, things added. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. In that case, the ones causing them to err in in verse number 12 was the uh, children and, and the women. For the women were ruling over them and they were leading them, causing them to err. In Isaiah chapter 9, we understand the spiritual leadership causing them to err in verse number 16. As I said, this has, this has spiritual application, but it's got other application as well. Uh, political, and, um, and, and in the, I'll give you one example in the scriptures, King Manasseh. And, and although he was the political king, you understand in God's kingdom, those kings had a lot of spiritual influence, for good or for bad. Um, Manasseh's uh, father was Hezekiah. He did that which is right in the sight of the Lord and had influence over the kingdom for good. Um, David had influence over the kingdom for good. His um, his fall and, and that little lap, lapse of judgment, and I use that term um, I, loosely because, because it was just flat sin. Uh, he made, a, he made a, a mistake and harmed himself and harmed others. Uh, and his sin with Bathsheba and as a um, murder of uh, Uriah. But, uh, but David led the kingdom spiritually properly. Of course, would have done it better had he not messed up. But King Manasseh, the Bible says of him, Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 9, So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Well, the leadership was so bad that God's people were behaving worse than the heathen. God forbid that should be true of a spiritual leader today, making God's people do worse than the heathen. But I am confident that it happens. And that's not a good confidence I have. Let me close with, uh, I'll give you a couple other verses. First of all, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. It's God speaking. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. 
the leaders, the shepherds, caused God's people to err and to go astray. When the people were on the mountains ready to, to, to grow spiritually, the shepherds turned them away. They turned them off the mountain, sent them to a hill. They went down lower than they were, and they forgot that resting place, the resting place of a right relationship with God and, and the feasting upon his word. And I want to tell you, if, if I'm talking to such a shepherd today, you're in that position of spiritual leadership, but you're not leading like you should. And you're not walking with God like you should, and you've not been faithful to his word like you should. If you are such a shepherd, come back to God. Come back to the Lord Jesus and get your heart and yourself right. Or it could be I'm talking to a shepherd, and you need to come to Jesus for the first time because you've never been saved. There's a lot of people in pulpits never been born again. Maybe you need to come to Jesus for the first time as a lost sinner and repent and receive the Lord Jesus as your own Savior. Uh, don't disregard this warning given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Verse 21, starting there, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What a tragedy to be somebody that stands up and speaks for God in the name of God, and at least ostensibly speaks the word of God, and then you wind up in hell. But it has happened. It will happen. According to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it will happen. The leaders of this people cause them to err. Let us who are in positions of leadership take heed. Let's take heed to our own personal walk with God and take heed to the word of God to, by the grace of God, proclaim all the counsel of God and be faithful to his calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Steve. Well, there's uh, a lot of good am admonition there, and uh, like Pastor Strobel, uh, I have been with the fear of the Lord for many, many years because, uh, like he, I, I want to be a good minister of, of Jesus Christ. In fact, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, there's so much scripture said that I don't know if he quoted this scripture or not, but in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 6 is, if, the, if thou put the, the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And, of course, that is the, uh, the admonition from Paul to Timothy, but, but in a broader sense, from God to every minister, to be a good minister of Jesus Christ— and uh, talks about good doctrine there. And uh, one of the things, I guess, having been saved in, in 76 and come up and heard uh, preachers from, uh, let's say, different ages or different eras, uh, because Christianity uh, as it is now is not what it was like when I, when I first trusted Christ as my Savior, nor probably was it uh, anything like it was in the 70s back in the 30s and 40s. So things change over time, and, and I can't say that it's always for good. 
back in that, those days, I remember being in churches where on a weekly basis, every week, you heard a salvation message pretty much uh, every service, whether it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. It always ended up being a salvation message. And consequently, the, the uh, sheep were left malnourished, and uh, if they were hungry for God at all, would go to other sources and oftentimes would find bad sources of food, spiritual food, from which to grow from. Another thing that happened during that time, and probably still does in some, in some places, is that the preachers would, would preach uh, solely on standards. Uh, they had to follow certain rules that were made up, and, and I'm all for standards, don't get me wrong. But every week it would come down to, you know, uh, uh, long hair on guys, uh, wire rim glasses, beards and mustaches, uh, lo- long hair on guys, uh, short short skirts on girls, wearing pants, you know, just all of those things. And uh, I've been in places and gone to churches where if they saw somebody that came in with long hair, they'd target them. And just go right after them and humiliate them from the pulpit. And then even some of those preachers that were hard on standards and and forced compliance uh, within their uh, churches and so forth would publicly, (laughs) publicly stray from the standard and be caught in scandal and... uh, you could go to websites uh, that are out there that are uh, anti-God, anti-Bible, uh, uh, anti-denomination, who've been burned by somebody that, that touted all the standards but yet wouldn't follow them themselves and uh, sullied the, the testimony of the church, sullied the testimony of the Word of God, sullied the testimony of Jesus Christ himself and led people astray by their example. Um, Not to beleaguer the point, but this was kind of brought to my mind uh, and to my attention very early on, and I've probably told this story before, but uh, uh, years ago when I was at the church there that Pastor Strobel is pastoring now, before I became pastor, I had the privilege of, of discipling several people, Eric being one of them uh, later on than this, but there was a fellow by the name of Bob Allport who uh, was a good friend, and I had worked with him. He had trusted Christ. His wife, or then-girlfriend, had trusted the Lord as her Savior. I think her brother had trusted the Lord and so forth. And on a weekly basis, Bob and Debbie would, would come over to our house after church on Sunday morning and spend the afternoon and then go back with us on, on uh, Sunday night. And uh, for whatever reason, my wife had sent uh, myself and Bob to the to the store to pick up some things, and and we were standing in line to have it purchased, and and the girl had cashed me out, and she gave me too much change, and uh, so I I you know not really knowing that this was going to be an object lesson, but I you know just said to her, I said, excuse me, I think you gave me too much change. She was all flustered, and oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, and. So Bob and I grabbed our items and walked back out to the car. And on the way back out to the car, Bob said, I wonder what you're going to do with that. (laughs) And that example, you know, that just, you know, just 
it was almost like this electrical lightning bolt just kind of striking right through me. I said, wow, <laughs> they really are watching, you know, that type of thing. And, and that kind of set the tone, uh, you know, kind of been in the background of my mind for, for all these years because people are, are watching you as a, a minister of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, you, have to, you have to really, if you're a preacher, you really got to watch out what's going on, especially today. Uh, one thing I did want to want to uh, make note of, and and for those that are listening, I don't know if you realized how much scripture was being put forth there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, and I don't know where you go to church. I don't know who you listen to, but there are a lot of preachers out there that may have a scripture verse to start from and never uh, never go back to the Bible again. And just tell stories and and uh, funny little quips, get people to laugh and, and things along that line. And, uh, you know, if they're preaching the whole counsel of God, you have to get into the book. And uh, Pastor Strobel does that well, and I've been blessed to be able to preach with him at Attica and and uh, Lord, just to have fellowship, obviously doing here the podcast and and uh, he's he's always been one that has been in the scriptures and and proved his point from God's perspective and not his own. So I appreciate the the, the work that was done here and the admonition that is a reminder to me again to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know, just to chime in, I you know, I not being a uh, quote unquote minister of the gospel, um, so. Some of that doesn't apply to me directly in that vein, but I can tell you that I've been very fortunate in the churches that I've attended to have true ministers of the gospel that preach the word. They're instant in, in season and out of season, and and I've always appreciated that <clears throat> and have looked for that. <laughs> um, but a lot of this that Pastor Strobel was talking about also applies as a as a father you know, with children, and also applies as a, um, as a husband, you know. Amen. So Amen. the areas of responsibility that we have, you know, whether it's the leadership in the home, um, again, leadership with your kids, your children. Um, and one of the verses that is uh, stuck with me very early on was, First uh, Thessalonians five twenty two, where it says, "Abstain from all appearance of evil." And I know the new Bibles have changed that now. They've taken out uh, the word appearance. And and while abstain from all evil is a good admonition, I think it it loses, you know, something further than that when it talks yeah. about abstaining from all even the appearance of evil. You could be doing nothing wrong, but if it looks hinky, you know. Or it could be yeah. taken to, to look hinky, to, to you know, you, you, you need to be better than that. You need to kind of have a better standard. Um, and so, even on those lines as a Christian, when I'm dealing with lost folks or, you know, just anyone, it's always been impressed upon me to try and be better, to try and um, say the right things, do the right things, and, and just do right ultimately. So Pastor Strobel, appreciate that that message today. Amen. Amen. Just to follow up on what you're saying, it's what happens is if we don't 
practice what we preach. And, and even if you're not a preacher, but you just, you're a Christian. I mean, and, and you are, you're in some people's mind, you're the, you're the only type of a, really a preacher they know. Yeah. But, but when we don't practice what we preach, we don't walk the walk that's supposed to go along with the Christian talk. Right. Um, then, then we lose the weight of the words. I mean, God's words are so powerful in and of themselves, but, but it's like a little poetic saying said um, with kids and parents, children more attention pay to what you do than what you say. Mm-hmm. And of course, they'll pay attention to what you say, but they're going to watch what you do and use that as an excuse. And part of the, in dealing with this subject, I mean, part of my challenge was there's so much in the Bible, really, when I get looking at it, that deals with this is, is learn is what, what do I leave out? You know, I, got, I can't put mm-hmm. in this, that I'll be, we'll be here way too long. But I want to just uh, add a couple things. One following up on um, something that Brother Steve said reminded me of this about, you know, you got to be careful as uh, a minister that you don't make a mess of things because essentially when you do, you're going to, you're going to make a, not only a mess of your own life, but a mess of somebody else's life. And I've thought about the statement when, uh, it's prophesied of the Lord Jesus Christ and quoted in the New Testament where it said, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. And of course, we know what happened when Jesus was betrayed. All the disciples forsook him and fled. But I think the devil takes that approach as well. His his goal is to smite the shepherd because he knows if he can get to the shepherd, he can get to the sheep. Yeah. And they will they will be scattered abroad. And there's one other verse, uh, Proverbs 29, 12, which kind of goes right along with what we've been talking about, but about the leaders causing the people there. And it says simply, if a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked. Hmm. And that shows the direct relationship between the leader and the effect that he has on his servants. And then just uh, one last thing, bringing it full circle. Brother Steve was mentioning Bob Allport and how he uh, had the opportunity to disciple Bob when, when he was here at the church. And um, when I went to Bible school, I went to the same Bible school that Bob went to. We were in the same class. We became friends. And Bob was my human connection that connected me with um, this church. I had certainly no knowledge of the church. And when they were looking for a pastor, he connected me with the church. And it was through you know, the work that Steve did with him that that came back to me and wound up getting me up here. Um, and so kind of funny to see how that works after all these years. Amen. Can you guys hear that music? Nope. Oh, that I do. All right. All right. Well, Lord willing, we'll all reconvene at a, another time to do number 85. Steve, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that wire rim glasses were not appropriate. Oh yeah, you didn't know that? No. Back in the seventies. But see, it was all it was all anti culture because the hippies were in and anything the hippies did was anti Bible, anti God and all that kind of stuff. So So you needed to wear the big you know, John Lennon with his wire rim glasses, that was either the Beetle boots for bed, you know, the long hair. Which, of course, the scripture talks about that in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14. So they had had that one right then. Yeah, that that one. (laughs) (laughs) They had a lot of things right. But you know, one thing I've I've come up to believe, I I, I believe I have backing for this, that I'm, I'm not the policeman to make people do anything. I'm just the preacher to voice what God says, and and they're 
then my responsibility is done because it's be, it's a relationship between them and God that causes them to do it. If they do it on my account, if I leave or if I mess up, they've got a reason to to uh, you know avoid the the rules that I've set up. If it's if I portray that it's God and their relationship, whether they do it or not, it's between them and God. And that's the I think the mistake that a lot of preachers make is they try to make it so that it's it's mandatory compliance and they're doing it for his sake and not for God's sake. Amen. All right. Well, Lord willing, we'll catch everyone later. And again, thanks again for joining us today on That's in the Bible.